Well, France Cronier reckons the entry of Jacob Zuma supporting the MK party is a game changer for politics in South Africa. It will give all kinds of eruptions within the ANC. But what about everybody else? There's a huge week coming up in by-elections, which will give us a closer picture. Um, fighting those by-elections in the Western Cape in particular is the Patriotic Alliance. And we are talking to the strategic advisor and co-founder, Charles Celia. Charles, we've spoke, it's been a long time since we've actually caught up. Eight months ago, you were celebrating a very famous by-election victory then. You're fighting two big ones this week, and we'll get onto those later. But the real news, I guess, broadly speaking, is the entry of Jacob Zuma against his old party. How are you interpreting this and the impact of this on the election, that which we still believe is going to be coming up in May? Yeah, I think that's a good starting point, Alec. It's good to be back. It's been a while. I can't believe it's been so long. The entry of Jacob Zuma, it's something that we we knew this was coming, but I think that it's only really Gayton, uh, McKenzie, the president of the PA, who understood that this was going to be as big as it's become. Uh, me personally, I actually thought this would just be uh, a flap in the wind. Um, but I think people have always underestimated the ground root support that, that JZ has. And even when we had the riots in KZN, people were saying, oh, it's, you know, it's just situational. People are desperate and it's, it's an excuse. But the man really has a lot of grassroots support. Um, and KZN is going to be a bloodbath for the ANC. Uh, I saw the most recent polls were saying that he could get as much as the ANC. Uh, twenty around twenty five percent to either, you know, him and the and the ANC, um, leaving that that province um, like it's going to be a mess come coalition time uh, after the elections, right? But he's going to have a big impact in Gauteng, and you add up all of those votes uh, in the provinces where he's strong, he's going to have an impact in Mpumalanga, perhaps Limpopo. Um, you add all of that up, he's going to parliament, or his party is going to parliament, um, and it's going to hurt the ANC. It's definitely going to hurt the EFF as well. don't think it has that much of an impact on us as the, as the patriotic alliance, but uh, I guess all the smaller parties are kind of smacking their lips at the prospect of a more hung um, national and provincial uh, governmental state uh, come the end of elections. You've played that card very well uh, thus far. Some people say too well, and that you've helped the ANC to continue to rule in areas where they've kept making a mess of things. What's the strategy of the PA? I think that we've always played the ball as it bounces. I don't think that there's a strategy to say, oh, let's, let's put the ANC in power wherever. We've always said that we're willing to govern with whoever's willing to govern with us. And it's... Unfortunately, the position and the choice of the DA to alienate us. Um, of course, if they come on here, they'll say differently. They'll say we're an unreliable partner, and they'll define that in what, whatever way they want to. But we've always been willing to work with them and with anyone, and we're still willing to work with them. Um, and I think with what's happening in the Western Cape, the DA really needs to introspect uh, and question whether it's um, the right thing for themselves, for the province, the country, 
to continue to alienate the PA as much as they do, because they very well may need us in, in ways that go beyond these municipalities uh, come the end of this year's elections. And they really may need us to continue to govern in the Western Cape. And we're willing to work with, with anyone, including them, but they have basically called us enemy number one for themselves. Um, but once the dust settles after uh, the May, June, July, maybe even August elections, uh, we don't believe it'll be that late. Um, they may have to reconsider and uh, come back to the negotiating table. And we're willing to work with them. We always have been. And you remain, despite some pretty hectic allegations against you personally and the party as a whole. Look, the, the DA often uh, shoot from the hip. They don't really think. Uh, there was a statement that went out from the leader of their caucus in Johannesburg, Belinda Kayser, Eshiel Zanjoku, making wild allegations against me. Um, and I found that extraordinary because I, I know the woman in question. I messaged her and said, look, why are you saying these things? They're untrue. They were alleging that I occupied two different jobs at the same time, that I was the chairperson of the PA, which I've never been. I've never actually held a formal position in the party. Um, and I, I've, I actually made a police case against her that's currently being referred for um, possible prosecution. So, you know, it's, it's nothing personal. I just felt that I have to set the record straight. And you see that with them. Any piece of dirt that they can throw at the PA, um, they won't even look at it twice. They'll just throw it. Um, so, yeah, there's bad blood. But at the end of the day, there's no permanent enemies in politics. Um, and we have to work together for the sake of the country, you know, no matter what the petty differences might be. Why is it so aggressive towards yourselves? And, and, and I'm sure you must have thought about this a lot, given that you have and Kate and McKenzie as well, outstretched a hand of reconciliation on numerous occasions, even on, on Business TV. Is this perhaps, from the outside, you would think it could be something to do with the Western Cape and that you are basically a coloured party in a province which has a majority of coloured people? I think that's the primary reason, is that... The DA's uh, core strength and their growth over the years has been uh, relying on a backbone of majority colored support because if you're just going to rely on, on white or Indian support, um, you'll never be able to govern the Western Cape. Um, so that has been the rise of the DA. That's the story that they've been able to, to build over the years. And unfortunately, I think that it was done uh, on the cynical premise that they are not the ANC and they're an alternative to the ANC instead of actually positioning themselves as an offering for that group in the Western Cape. And we have emerged as a group that actually has a positive offering for the colored voter in the Western Cape. And not just, a, oh, you know, vote for us because we're not the ANC. And we're also not even saying vote for us because we're not the DA. We've always said vote for us because we're the PA and uh, this is what we have to offer. And um, we, we've always said that we're putting the long-neglected issues that are actually quite unique to the colored community at the top of the agenda, but that doesn't mean we're a colored party. Um, I think what's emerged with us is, is the, the saying that we're a colorful party, and we actually welcome people from all walks of life, but we have 
made it very clear that our core constituency, where what, what our grassroots support has been and emerged from, is the colored community. And we're not ashamed to say that there's issues that the colored community needs to have uh, put on the agenda at the table. And we're going to con con continue to do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what multi-party democracy is all about. And that's a big threat to the DA because uh, they are now trying to make up lost ground, um, trying to make up for all of that lost time where they could have done more for the people who've given them the most support. And they kind of neglected those people, not even kind of. You see that with these by-elections that we're in right now, that people feel neglected. And then we come along and they say, no, we're going to give uh, you a chance. And I think that's what makes these current by-elections so significant, is that the DA have always tried to dismiss us as, oh, you know, they're just a small party, um, they're, they're a rural party, they're a colored party, you know, whatever it is that they're going to say. Um, and we're now in DA Heartland, uh, contesting two wards here in, in the Western Cape, Krabo and here in George, that uh, are former, well, currently still vacant DA wards. You know, it's two DA ward councillors that, that walked over to the PA. And if those wards switch over, as we're confident they're going to, to being PA, then no one will be able to say, oh, you know, the PA is not that much of a threat anymore. Because if we can walk in and, and actually change a ward from DA to PA, um, then that should prove to people that we are an enormous threat to the, the DA. Let's uh, have a look at them in, uh, in some detail. Uh, the one at Tiervater's Kloof, or uh, near Grebo, in the last election, the DA won very handily, over 51%. And if you add its partners in the charter, it should get to 54% here. ANC 19, PA 12. But from what I'm hearing, it's the person who will be drawing the votes, in your opinion, rather than the party. How confident are you that that 12% is going to be significantly greater? And indeed, how confident are you that you're going to win this award? Look, I, I'm not saying that it's the person. Um, I think the candidate is very important. But I think that the mood on the ground, and I've, I've been here now for a few days, the mood on the ground is that there's a real dissatisfaction with what the, the DA has been offering people who've been voting for them for a long time in these wards. And... Um, for example, in Krabo, I think the issues there are uh, that it's primarily farms um, and people feel um, that their lives have really not improved and that the DA is actually standing more with the farmers themselves and, and not really fighting to do much to change some pretty horrific circumstances on a lot of these farms. Um, and that's why we feel this may be the time that um, people actually switch and say, look, let's give another party a chance. And when you look here in George, uh, we're not actually using the DAs or the former DA candidates to stand in this by-election. Basil Petrus was uh, a mayor previously here in George, and he's not standing. Um, and he's going to play uh, a bigger organizing role for us in the province here going forward. Um, but we actually feel even more confident in George um, about the outcome here than we do in Krabo. And I think that's because of the resentment that has built up uh, in Park Dean, Ward H. and George, uh, where 
they just haven't seen enough change. They haven't seen enough improvement in their lives despite years and years and promises from the DA. Um, and we feel it's time for change and we're going to see that change now. It's fascinating times. Uh, those by-elections themselves are uh, very interesting. On the other hand, MK is having it's fighting its second by-election uh, since Zuma's not even in a month. And the previous one, they got 20%. Are you expecting that they will show, uh, given what you discussed earlier, some more gains? Um, not too much of an expert on, on those particular awards, but from what I've picked up and what I've gathered is that as much as they had a very credible showing in the first one, this one that's coming up is uh, going to be even better for them. Uh, it's more of a stronghold for, for Jacob Zuma. Um, so I'm not going to make any predictions because uh, I'm not a pollster or uh, an analyst on that front, but uh, it looks like um, with every day that passes with MK, the more we learn about them, the fact that this has actually been going on potentially for four years, that they've been mobilizing and trying to do this, um, really does drive home the fact that we're dealing with a much bigger and more well-funded and, and well-structured and organized organization in the form of MK than anybody predicted. You know, when this first came out, everyone thought it was a joke. And with every day that passes, we're realizing that we're dealing with an enormously well-orchestrated, um, effectively, uh, you can almost call it a revolutionary movement, uh, targeted at the ANC. Um, because we know that what Jacob Zuma is trying to achieve here is to bring what he calls the progressive forces of the left um, with an ANC background together to create uh, a new groundswell of support for this thing called MK, which he's not really characterizing as distinct from the ANC. He's kind of characterizing this as like the true ANC and a return to the roots of the ANC. And I think his plan is that once this thing has been established and they've got political power, that he's going to try to probably re-amalgamate uh, or force the ANC back to what he believes and what people who are aligned with him believe the ANC should be. So it's um, something new, something that's never been seen before in our politics. And it is shaking the, the firmaments. Um, so I'm very curious to see how this next by-election is going to go. I think they're proving um, their mettle now because at the end of the day, you can say a lot, but it's only election results that prove what you're made of. And that's why we do these by-elections as the PA. I think that's why um, Zuma and his team are doing these by-elections to show that they mean business. Charles, let's uh, fast forward to the 22nd of May, which does still look like the most likely election date. How are you seeing, first of all, yourselves, the PA performing then, and then other smaller parties that are making a lot of noise, but the pollsters are giving no chance. Roger Jardine's operation, for instance, Songhezi Zibi's, uh, Musi Maimani's, Boza, Action SA. Are the pollsters getting this completely wrong? Um, yeah, look, I think we are preparing for the election a week later than that, 29th. Um, there's a few things that have pointed us towards that, but we're ready to go to elections anytime. Um, I agree with you that the ANC in particular and the, and the ANC government is pushing really hard to avoid uh, an election in the depths of winter, uh, especially with load shedding um, 
and there's a number of other factors. So May definitely looks like it's on the cards. And then as for the prospects of all of these new players and slightly more established players um, on the on the call it the smaller party side, um, I I don't think that the pollsters are completely at sea with this, but um, there may be a lot of factors here that are muddying the waters and and um, obscuring the true picture of what what may be going on here. And I think there's a lot of people that are saying that they'd prefer not to say who they're going to vote for. Um, when you look at any of these polls, there's there's a big fraction of that going on. But I do think that previous experience has shown us that people who say they don't they don't know who they're going to vote for, they're not going to vote for the ANC. Um, time after time, it comes out that those are not ANC voters. So I think those are people who may be weighing their options. They may not feel confident enough to say who it is exactly they want to vote for. Um, but I think those are voters that were either never ANC voters to begin with or they're lost to the ANC. Um, I do think that, as you said, the emergence of MK changes things. It changes things, I think, for the IFP. It changes things for EFF. Um, doesn't really change things too much for the likes of your Roger Jardines, your Ryzen Zanzis, us, Action SA. Um, but I, I do think that Action SA may have peaked a little earlier than they may, they may have liked. Um, the experience they've had of being in local government, I think, has been uh, very sobering at times, I think, traumatic for them. Um, I think Ryzen Zanzi has some interesting ideas. It's a very cerebral party. Um, I'm not sure if they have uh, enough grassroots support and enough of a constituency because I think that in South Africa, politics is constituency-based, you know, and you have to grow those constituencies if you want to be at the table. It's very difficult to appeal to people just on a purely intellectual level and, uh, and try to convince them that, you know, you've got the, the best brains trust in the room. Um, and... You know, similarly, I think that's an issue that that Roger Jardine and Change Starts Now is going to face, is uh, the hard, hard work of warm bodies and constituencies is what gets you somewhere in South Africa. So I think that um, the the new players have their work cut out for them. Um, I do think that they're going to do a little better than the pollsters are predicting. Um, but I also think this multi-party uh coalition um that they've what started as the moonshot pact um it's very unlikely that they're going to get to that 50 percent. we were willing to join that um but the da for reasons that i'm sure they can explain to you they don't want to work with us um but at the end of the day what counts is the votes you know and not what was signed before the election it's what happens afterwards so we'll tally up what we all get. Um, as for what we believe we're going to get as the PA, I've always said personally that if I'll, you know, I'll dance on the rooftops if we get above three percent, right? And um, there's others in the party that are much more confident of getting upwards of seven to ten percent, right? Um, and I would, I don't know what I would do if we got to that, right? But if you look at our growth, and particularly in the Western Cape, um, the party is now moved towards um actually we don't have to push so hard anymore we are going to places and finding that people have built structures people understand the culture of the pa people we've never even met or signed up that it's it's actually becoming uh a bit of a snowball now 
Um, and that is a development that we've been pushing for as the PA. And that's actually starting to happen now where, the, where they always say culture will beat strategy, right? And it's the culture of the PA that's now really dominating. And people actually want to be part of this movement um, because they identify with it so strongly. Um, and it's, it's actually now transcending just the people that have been there all along. Um, and we're finding that the PA is, is waiting for us where we go and we don't have to um, actually plant the seeds anymore. It's getting there on its own. Very exciting for us. I'm sure it is, but the headlines have been about two issues, which I'd be interested to hear whether they've helped or hurt you. The one, the support of Israel, which has been diametrically opposed to uh, what the ANC government has been doing. And the second one is the headlines around the expulsion of illegal immigrants. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, what's the question actually, Alec? Well, that's the question. Has it helped or hurt you, those two issues? Uh, look, I, I think that you it's a, it's a cost-benefit, really. Um, you know, you're never going to please everyone when it comes to that particular issue, right? So I think the party's been very clear that we are not picking sides in the conflict in the Middle East, and particularly the Palestine issue. Uh, what we're saying is that we believe in a two-state solution, we were very clear from day one, from October 7 onwards, that we don't believe that Hamas's approach of crossing that, um, crossing from the, the Gaza Strip into Israel and murdering innocent civilians and taking hostages, um, we, don't, we didn't believe that that's the right thing to do. We don't support that. We are calling it what it is. It's terrorism, right? And... Um, whatever your views may be of the history of Palestine and Israel, um, we are never going to support behavior like that. Now, we are saying we, we're supporting peace, um, and we're saying that a two-state solution needs to be the way to go there. So, in as much as supporting Israel is saying we support Israel's right to statehood and the right to exist, which does not sit well with um, the ANC. Because if you look at what the ANC is supporting, they may not actually admit that to themselves, but they're effectively supporting the destruction of Israel and the removal of every single Jewish person from that territory, which we are saying is anti-Semitic, and we're saying that that's wrong. Um, that would, in fact, be a true genocide, right? Um, and we could never get behind a strategy that has the long-term outcome of the genocide once again of the Jewish people. Um, that is our position on it, um, and Gaten has made it clear that it's a position that's informed both by politics and history, but also by religious belief. Um, and we find that quite a lot of people that support the PA are, are Christian, um, and that also promotes the idea that you should be supporting Israel. Now, we can debate that till the cars come home, but I think that's the reality for us um, and that a lot of the churches that we go to, we actually have a lot of people coming to us and saying, thank you for standing with Israel. Um, so I don't think that it's actually harming the PA. Um, I think we're getting a lot of respect for it because we've taken a position that is principled um, and spiritual, right? Which is kind of... Uh, a very South African mix. Um, 
And then as for the, the issue with the illegal immigrants, I think that when you're on the ground and you see the reality of the lived experience of people on the, on the borders of, of true poverty, you see the impact that our open borders um, and, and the rampant uh, uh, illegal migration, right? Uh, you see it in Johannesburg where I live and work. Um, we see the impact of that. I'm in the inner city quite often, and I see these hijacked buildings, and I see the conditions. Um, but we see it here, even you know, in any informal settlement, um, is that the people at the coalface uh, of the of this migration pressure they're suffering, um, and they need government to actually um, take people back to where they come from. And that's why we're saying as the PA that we have to do uh, mass deportations. Um, because the situation for poor people is unbearable. Um, and you know, if you're middle class or upper class, you don't feel that affected by it, but we can't, uh, speak for those people. We have to, we have to speak for the majority of people who feel that, um, this is a crisis and it is, it is a crisis. Charles Celia from the Patriotic Alliance and I'm Alec Hogg from business.com. 